I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, Trial of the Century. A court sentenced a former advisor to the Pope to five and a half years in prison. We have a report from the Vatican. International outcry. The trial of China critic and media mogul Jimmy Lai is underway in Hong Kong. We are following the story of this Catholic pro-democracy advocate. A culture of hate. We unpack the growing anti-Semitism in the U.S. with a Jewish leader. And a shining light. Is there a John the Baptist in your life? Why, they're more common than you think. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us. Our top story tonight, the highest ranking Vatican official ever to face trial in the Holy See's criminal court was found guilty over the weekend. Cardinal Angelo Becciu has been sentenced to more than five years in prison on several counts of embezzlement. The 75-year-old cardinal is the Pope's former chief of staff. Several other defendants were also found guilty of financial crimes and faced similar jail sentences. It marked the culmination of nearly two-and-a-half-year saga known as the Vatican's trial of the century. EWTN News Vatican correspondent Colin Flynn joins us now with more. Colin, great to see you. This was some major news over the weekend that went right around the world. What more can you tell us about this? A very good evening, Tracy. Well, after two and a half years, what has been called the Vatican trial of the century has come to an astonishing end. A Vatican court convicted Cardinal Angelo Becciu of embezzlement and sentenced him to five and a half years in prison. In addition, the 75-year-old was given a lifetime ban from holding office in the Vatican and also fined eight thousand euros. Remember, this is the first time a cardinal of the church has been prosecuted by a Vatican criminal court. And Cardinal Becciu was once a close advisor to Pope Francis and someone who could have possibly been a future pope. So the fact that he is now facing the prospect of being behind bars is extraordinary. Now, as we've reported here in the past, there were a number of charges brought against the cardinal and nine other defendants. The various crimes included financial embezzlement and fraud, including sending Vatican money to a charity run by his brother, paying hundreds of thousands of euros to a woman who claimed to be a security consultant in order to secure the release of nuns being held hostage in Africa. It turned out that money was used for luxury items such as handbags and shoes and hotels and so on. But really, Tracy... The trial centered around a Vatican investment managed by Cardinal Becciu in a property in the area of Chelsea, very affluent area in London, that lost the Vatican ultimately over 140 million euros. The judge said that this was a highly speculative investment and Cardinal Becciu and a number of, of other lay investors sought to embezzle the Vatican out of millions of euros. And important to note, Tracy, that all defendants in this case insist no wrongdoing. And Cardinal Becciu has always maintained his innocence. And his lawyer announced after the verdict was announced that they would be appealing, calling the verdict absurd. Well, Colm, as you mentioned, Cardinal Becciu was sentenced to jail time. Um, will he see jail time, actually? And if so, would it be in the Vatican? That's a great question, Tracy. And many legal experts are saying it's 
unlikely we'll see Cardinal Betchu facing jail anytime soon. His lawyer, as I just mentioned, said he'll be appealing the case, and that appeal will probably not take place until later next year, and it itself could take up to a year. And remember, Pope Francis ultimately is the man in charge. He has the power to grant some sort of pardon. He could give Cardinal Betchu a symbolic punishment, like kicking him out of the Vatican, where he's still living at the moment, making him return to his home in Sardinia with a life of penance or something similar. The Vatican does have two small, what we would call, jail cells, but in reality, should this verdict be upheld, it's likely Cardinal Becciu would be handed over to the Italian State Prison Service, where he would have to serve out the sentence there. All this remains to be seen. Colin, before I let you go, how important was this case for the Vatican itself and also for Pope Francis? Well, this was big, Tracy, because from the very beginning of this case, many wondered what the trial would look like, if it was going to be properly resourced, if the Vatican's legal system was even equipped to deal with a case of this magnitude and complexity. And in terms of Pope Francis and his reputation, this could be one of the defining moments of his legacy. Because from the very beginning, Pope Francis has said that he's been promising financial reform at the Vatican, and as part of that, more transparency and accountability. The Vatican trial has been conducted, concluded with a guilty verdict, a sentence handed down by a Vatican judge, five and a half years in prison. So now the question is, will the Cardinal have to do the time? Tracy? Well, we will continue to follow this column. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for that report. Thank you, Tracy. And coming up later in this newscast, analysis of the Vatican trial and the announcement regarding blessings for same-sex couples with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Well, the long-awaited trial of pro-democracy advocate Jimmy Lai has opened in Hong Kong. Our own Owen Jensen asked the U.S. State Department its position on the trial. Uh, I'd like to take you to Hong Kong. Jimmy Lai's trial now underway. I saw the State Department statement on it just the other day, uh, uh, condemning the prosecution. That said, does the State Department believe Jimmy Lai has any chance at all of getting a fair trial in what many are calling a sham trial? So I would say that we uh, do strongly condemn the prosecution of uh, Jimmy Lai, a pro-democracy advocate and media owner. He's been prosecuted under the national security law that Beijing imposed on Hong Kong. Uh, we call for his immediate and unconditional re release. But the Catholic was arrested in August of 2020 on charges related to the China-backed national security law. Cardinal Joseph Zen was in attendance for Lai's arrival. The trial is expected to last around three months. Well, the Israel Defense Forces is denying responsibility for the reported killing of two women at the Holy Family Parish Complex in Gaza. According to reports, the two Christian women were killed by a sniper. Holy Family is the only Catholic church in Gaza. Many church leaders, including the Holy Father, have condemned the alleged attack. And for more and an update on the Holy Family Parish, we go now to Ed Clancy, Director of Outreach at Aid to the Church in Need. Ed, good to see you again. Uh, I know that you've been in direct communication and contact uh, with the Holy Family Parish in Gaza. Ed, what are you hearing about what led to the deaths of these two women? Well, it was an occasion for the people to move across the courtyard. Um, the, the two women who were killed were seeking to use uh, a bathroom, the only operational bathroom in the facility at the convent where the nuns and the handicapped children live. And while they were crossing the courtyard, uh, fire started, a small arms fire. 
and the mother was hit and the daughter tried to help her and carry her and she was hit as well. In all, seven people were injured, two of them seriously, in, in addition to the two women who were killed. Um, and they were treated, you know, at least uh, in, in some respects. Two of them actually needed uh, surgery that they couldn't have because of the hospital being far away and all of the combatants in the area. And how has this impacted the faithful at Holy Family, I mean, as they continue to endure, endure the current situation in Gaza? Well, the difficulty right now is with uh, military activity happening in the compound. That has been a safe haven. And the Christians had come there to uh, have some peace or some protection. Now they have scattered. So not only have they lost their sense of um, protection by being near and in the church, they have gone out into somewhat more dangerous areas. So it is a little bit more difficult for them. And it is a very trying time because uh, this week they also lost their uh, solar generators. They lost their uh, gas power generators and their uh, water tank. So there's a lot of problems now with just the survivability of the area. And this is, had been the only area where Christians were safe and had some of these options. And the other thing that will happen is without power, it'll be more difficult to communicate. Mm. And, you know, and it has been such a place, as you mentioned, of refuge for people. Um, what other challenges are they facing right now there? Well, some of the things that have been ongoing is the fact that many of the people are, are either injured or sick or elderly. Uh, there are 54 children who are severely handicapped and need constant care. They're being cared for by the missionaries of charity. And then these elderly people and young children, especially, who are now congregating in an area where they don't have good source of water or food. Uh, medication is in short supply, so people with illnesses stand the chance of, of, of having these things become life-threatening. And then, of course, you have the fact that uh, there's there's a possibility of more gunfire, more rockets, more explosions. Uh, it's a very dangerous situation, and unfortunately, it's not going to be a very pleasant Christmas for them. Ed, we have about 30 seconds left or so. Um, is there any way that aid to the church need is able to help at any point? Well, currently, there is no way of getting, you know, food or any sort of resources into them because of the, the military activity. Uh, but we do stand with them in the fact that we will support them wherever they are when, when it is possible to aid them. We will work with the church on the ground and do whatever is best for them, whether it's relocating, rebuilding, or, um, you know, re, uh, allowing them to move somewhere else. Ed, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your insights. God bless you. Thank you, and please pray for them. It's a, it's a trying time, very difficult for them. Yeah, absolutely it is, and we will. Thank you so much. Well, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin meets with Israeli leaders and emphasizes America's commitment to Israel is unshakable, adding Israel is not alone. He also told reporters America is not dictating timelines or terms on the battlefield. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Owen? Tracy, in addition, Secretary Austin also said today Israel has every right to defend itself against a fanatical terrorist group whose stated purpose is to murder Jews and eradicate the Jewish state. He also said protecting civilians in Gaza is a moral duty and a strategic imperative. In Israel, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin standing alongside Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, making it clear that America's commitment to Israel is unwavering. 
and no individual, group, or state should test our resolve. He adds Israel will get what it needs to fight. We'll continue to provide Israel with the equipment that you need to defend your country, Mr. Prime Minister, including critical munitions, tactical vehicles, and air defense systems. The Defense Secretary's visit comes as France, the UK, and Germany join global calls for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. American officials have called for targeted operations aimed at killing Hamas leaders, destroying tunnels, and rescuing hostages, and have repeatedly expressed concern about the large number of civilian deaths in Gaza. And over at the State Department... Ending the conflict and leaving the, the plotters who planned the October 7th attacks in place to continue carrying out attacks, to continue plotting against innocent civilians in Israel is not in the security of interests of Israel, but it's not also, also not in the security interests of the Palestinian people. Meanwhile, earlier today, President Joe Biden and his family gathered at a Catholic church in Delaware to mark the anniversary of the deaths of his first wife and daughter, who were killed in a car crash in 1972. And just last night, an accident caused a brief scare for Secret Service. Agents shielded the president after a car crashed into his motorcade. Local police are handling the investigation. And Secretary Austin reiterated today the U.S. will keep pushing relentlessly for the safe return of hostages in Gaza. And bringing them home, he says, remains a top priority for the U.S. from President Biden on down. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. On Capitol Hill, a deal on funding Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan, along with border security, remains elusive. Lawmakers and the White House say they made progress over the weekend to come up with a framework. So how far are they from an agreement? Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales has the latest. Good evening, Tracy. Republicans have said for months that any package for Israel, Ukraine or Taiwan must include significant policy changes at the border. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says fixing asylum laws and fast-tracking deportation procedures are places to start. We can't pretend to be serious about threats facing America and our allies without fixing the broken asylum, broken system that lets 10,000 illegal aliens cross our border in a single day. Catholic Senator Joe Manchin, a West Virginia Democrat, agrees and says bold action is necessary. We've never seen numbers that we have never seen like this. The whole world is in the flux and they're taking advantage of a system that truly is broken. And this is not immigration reform. They're basically working diligently on just securing the border. It must be done. It must be shut down. Over the weekend, more than a dozen Republican senators wrote GOP leaders demanding they negotiate openly and not behind closed doors. They wrote, quote, Rushed and secret negotiations with Democrats who want an open border and who cause the current crisis will not secure the border. The American public deserves an open and transparent process. But some Democrats, including the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, don't want asylum laws changed. We're here to call on President Biden and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to reject the immigration and border proposals at the hands of Republicans in the ongoing negotiations around the supplemental aid package. The U.S. bishops agree. In a letter to congressional leaders, they caution against rushing into a deal with more restrictions at the border. They wrote, quote, such efforts will have the unintended consequence of further empowering smugglers, traffickers, gangs, and other bad actors who seek to exploit vulnerable persons, most often women and children. 
McConnell says Republicans will not vote on just a border framework. They want to see the bill in writing. At the Capitol, Eric Rosales, EWTN News Nightly. And we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including high alert. Nearly 200 synagogues and Jewish institutions face bomb threats. And that was just this past weekend. We have reaction from the community. And we continue to unpack the trial of Cardinal Angelo Betchu with EWTN News Editorial Director Matthew Bunsen. the weekend, there were nearly 200 bomb threats against Jewish institutions and synagogues all over the U.S., including California, Georgia, New York, and Virginia. That is according to the Secure Community Network, a group that coordinates security for Jewish institutions. While none of the threats were deemed credible, it did cause significant disruption and anxiety for the Jewish community, which has seen a surge in anti-Semitic incidents since the October 7th Hamas terror attacks on Israel. And joining us now to talk more about this is Rabbi Yaakov Menken, Managing Director for the Coalition for Jewish Values. Rabbi Menken, good to be with you as always. Um, talk to us more about these bomb threats and is there any new information, possible arrests or maybe leads in these cases? Do you know? Well, thank you again for having me. Uh, what I think we're seeing is the result of hateful words leading to hateful actions. Uh, the, uh, these threats, um, obviously, I, I think security, uh, Secure Community Network would know more about possible leads, but what we know so far, what seems to be pretty obvious, is that it only takes one or two bad actors to put these in place across the country, because all you have to do is hang up the phone and make another phone call. And so one person can do a whole lot of evil, but what you're seeing here is just the tip of the iceberg. When you see people in cities across America tearing down photos of hostages because they don't want you to think about Jewish hostages uh, being held in horrible, harsh conditions by Hamas. When you see people attacking individual Jews and marching across campuses across America, calling for genocide against the Jewish people with language like, from the river to the sea, promoting ethnic cleansing of Jews from the Middle East. Those are things that obviously lead to hateful actions like these threats against the synagogues across the country. Rabbi, what are you hearing uh, from members of the Jewish community? I mean, what are they telling you? How are they feeling in light of these threats? You know, it really varies. A lot of people who did not have a strong tie to Judaism before are suddenly feeling like, wow, something's going on here. Something is it, what, what the people uh, protesting across the country don't realize is the more they hate on Israel, the more they convince American Jews to move there. Uh, the Orthodox community of which I'm a part, uh, sadly, you know, we're used to this sort of thing. We feel that resilience. My daughter was the victim of a verbal anti-Semitic assault on Friday. She's not traumatized. She's just like, oh gosh, here, you know, this guy was praying, you know, obviously it was scary. I mean, six foot tall, huge guy, uh, talking about how all the Jews should be killed. And all she was trying to do was get a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. But at the same time, it's like, 
We know about this. We're used to it. The resiliency is built in. But as I said, a lot of people whose con connections to Judaism were much more tenuous are now really feeling like I'm attached to this, wanted or not. Rabbi Minkin, we have less than 30 seconds left or so, but what do you think the community, uh, even non-Jewish community Catholics, can do in these incidents? I, I, the most important thing to realize is this isn't a Jewish problem. The Jews have a divine promise to survive. America has no divine promise to survive. If we want to preserve an America, what starts with the Jews never ends with the Jews. You've got to act against this anti-Semitism now because they're going to come with every, against every other faith community next. Rabbi Minka, we're going to leave right there. Thank you, as always. Always appreciate your insights. Thanks so much. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, controversy at the Vatican, analysis of hot-button issues such as same-sex blessings and the trial of Cardinal Angelo Becciu, plus a lamp that shines. Pope Francis shares how the faithful can be more like John the Baptist, a light which led people to Christ. Turning back now to our top story, the conviction and sentencing of Cardinal Angelo Becciu. We are joined now by Matthew Bunsen, editorial director of EWTN News. Matthew, great to see you. Uh, talk to us about the significance of this conviction. Yeah, well, uh, the conviction of uh, Cardinal Becciu is, uh, as we were just hearing from uh, Colm Flynn in his report from Rome, a, a genuinely significant moment. And, and it is, just aside from the fact that this is a cardinal who has now been sentenced to five and a half years in prison uh, for corruption, but it's really an important milestone, I think, in the ongoing reform of the, the Roman Curia of the central government of the church by Pope Francis. We go all the way back to 2021, just a couple of years ago, I know. He made it very clear that cardinals who were guilty of corruption were going to be subject no longer to special privileges legally, but were actually going to be eligible for prosecution. Uh, and this is exactly what we're seeing here. So, as I was saying, that this is a moment, I think, where everyone in the Roman Curia is looking around and saying, I have to be careful. Pope Francis reiterated that very point just a couple of days ago to the, the Office of Auditors in the Vatican, uh, reminding them that uh, everyone who works in the Vatican has to be subject to rules of transparency and held accountable. And I think the uh, trial and conviction now of Cardinal Becciu uh, is a, a very clear message from him. Hey, Matthew, I want to turn now to another topic also making headlines. Uh, Pope Francis allowing priests to bless same-sex couples. What more can you tell us about this? Well, we're seeing a lot uh, uh, in the headlines today uh, that somehow there's been a massive change in church teaching. Uh, the answer to that is actually no, that's not the case. Uh, this uh, decree from the Dicaster of the Doctrine of the Faith is in response to a variety of questions that have been posed about whether or not it's possible to bless same-sex couples or those who are in irregular situations. And what is clear in this document is that there's a sharp distinction being made between liturgical blessings and pastoral blessings. It comes, however, with a very long list of fine print. Uh, what I mean by that is that uh, it has to be very clear that there's no change in church teaching regarding marriage, uh, that it is between a man and a woman. Uh, also, that uh, any sort of a blessing, a pastoral blessing of this type, uh, cannot be confused in any way with a sacramental blessing. In addition, uh, it, it cannot take 
take place in any setting that would be confused, for example, uh, with an actual blessing, liturgical blessing. You cannot, for example, have it uh, in a setting of a civil union. Uh, you can't also have anything that would be akin to a wedding where it's taking place. So all of these requirements are in place now. Uh, the issue is going to be how it's applied uh, and uh, what Catholics actually are responding uh, to the requests that are likely now to be pouring in to pastors uh, for these types of blessings. What would you say are, are the practical ramifications of this declaration? Yeah, I think there are going to be two significant ones. The first one we're already seeing, and that is, I think there's uh, in the short term going to be quite a bit of confusion among the faithful. Uh, they are reading headlines saying that the church has changed her teachings on, on same-sex blessings, on unions, and even on marriage. We know that's not the case. So one of the tasks for uh, Catholic media is to try to articulate precisely what this decree says and what it doesn't. Uh, the other is that, uh, as we have seen over the last months, a lot is being placed on the plates and on the shoulders of pastors. Uh, pastors are being called uh, to undergo this process of discernment uh, in these types of blessings, but we're also seeing similar things in, in handling cases that are emerging out of Amoris Laetitia, for example, of Catholics uh, who are divorced and remarried without an annulment and whether or not they can present themselves for communion. Uh, so these are uh, difficult days for pastors, and I think we need to keep our pastors in prayer because the bulk of this is going to fall on them. Yeah. Dr. Bunsen, thank you. We Good appreciate to be with your you. insights as always. God bless you. Pope Francis reminds the faithful that only in God can we find the light of life. La luce è Gesù, l'agnello di Dio. At the Sunday address, the Holy Father said that in every age, the Lord sends luminous people who, following John the Baptist's example, show us how we can be a lamp that shines and helps others find the way to meet Jesus. At the end of the prayer, Pope Francis greeted the many families with their children present who brought little statuettes of the child Jesus to be blessed following an old tradition. Oh, we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night, and God bless.